Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. On Monday morning, we're in Berlin. We're both a bit bleary. Mm. I think bleary is a good word, actually. Four days of uh, arenas. Yeah. Well, for you, three days. Three days. For, for me, for, four days. For individuals. Mm. I think Berlin was a good place to, to do it. I, I think everyone would be in, like, 100% agreement with you. Berlin was... Uh, a really good place to do it. I mean, it, the weather was amazing, which I think really helped helped everything around it. You know, like from a spectator point of view, it makes a big difference. Like coming to cool cafes, mm. good places to eat, easily accessible, good weather park. Yeah, yeah, really. Good. And I think that the arena was beautiful as well. Like tough to yes. get to from a from a media point of view. The press room was about two thousand miles away from the st- the, the floor. I don't know about what your bit was like where you were with the warm-up area, but the, the yeah, actual was, spectator was, area was great. It's a lot worse, you know, sometimes at games, like the transition is, is very long. Uh, this was super, you know, the warm-up area is very well done, the transition was very well done. So from that point of view, it was really good. And how do you think that the weekend went? Congratulations for Moritz and Ella. Yes. Really great results for both of them. Yeah, so... I think that as soon as you enter into the world of multiple athletes, and I, and I had this experience, the first time I really felt this experience was in like 2015. So Sarah and Björgvin um, both podiumed, but Sarah went from first to third and Björgvin kind of jumped to third. And it was this weird space of like happy and sad at the same time. Um, and honestly, even even when both athletes do well, it's very hard to be... unless you just with one athlete this shared kind of emotion is very um it can be very strange and a bit weird like super happy for for some athletes Mm. and then very sad for others and it leaves you in this like uh kind of undulating path it's very tiring i mean i feel exhausted from it all and i wasn't like close up to everybody this weekend i was on the sidelines. Yeah, it is exhausting in of itself. And, you know, there were there were other circumstances as well that, that made this one even more tiring. What about the um, the tests? Because like, test one, the sled, the pull, the, um, the floor, everything was... Everyone started comparing. I mean, like, in the past, when we've spoken about everybody doing the same... Um, events mm. throughout semi-finals because it's fairer we hadn't thought about the fact that i hadn't thought about the fact that within that there's still so many variables yeah but i think one thing is no one cares about that it doesn't matter the comparison between regions you know it's it's irrelevant because it doesn't really mean anything every competition is independent so you know just because one sled's quicker or slower it's kind of within the competition and you're competing against everyone there. But it means that like statistics nerds are not going to be able to then, then make like a worldwide ranking, are they? Because there's all those variables. Yeah, they will make a worldwide ranking, but it just won't be very accurate. Mm. So the, the, there was a lot of talk about the sled being quite fast on Friday. What do you think? 
No, I mean, I don't think... So, well, if you maybe compare to uh, North America, uh, we'd say North America and um, Africa, the said seems slower. Oceania, uh, Turin, um, and here, it was it was probably a bit quicker, yeah. Mm. And we had... Um, I mean, it was great to start off with... I really liked that event, actually, and it was kind of exciting to see somebody that I'd never heard of actually take the win as well. It was kind of a great way to begin. Yeah, I think it kind of showed like the depth of Europe straight away mm. that basically a, a first heat and a second heat took one two, um, which over with the twenty girls who are in heat one is uh, it, shows, it shows the depth, you know. There's all these little things, yeah. There's little things that come into it, little theories about why why these things may happen. But but in essence, it's just depth of Europe uh, in regards to that. And what about um, to get going into event two, which was the ring complexes? That's when it started to kind of like separate people. I felt because there was a lot of trouble in that test for quite a few people who we assumed would do quite well. Yeah. So this is where I think that probably some frustrations from athletes started to come in in regards to consistency of standards. Do you mean by judging standards? Yeah. And and the one thing I, I think that's important is to kind of not laying it on the, the, the individual judge or the person that is a judge. It's the consistency between a big picture view of like how do how is consistent how do we develop a consistency across all these lanes? For judging, and and I think that's like uh, you know a question that we've been asking for for years, and something that I think really you know I think that we need to put some momentum behind that and really go okay, you know we've had this question for a number of years. Let's really see if we can find a solution that's workable and solve this. Um, and you know people will be affected by this. Uh, you know, there's a like classic one like Bjorkvin, for example, very good mover. He ends up doing like seven of the complex. Um, and the first five solar obviously put up the video seeming like great reps but getting no reps you know it and and you've got video evidence of these things but there's no repercussions because of the you can't appeal a no rep mm. um, so you in essence whatever happens on the floor in regards to the movement can't be appealed uh, and it just comes down to the opinion of that individual judge whether or not that's a rep it, yes, I mean that the you know we have like a set of uh, in theory there's a set of well there is a set of criteria, but you are right it's the opinion um, and judgment call of the judge as to if that rep was completed or not. How do they make the decision beforehand? I mean, I, I watched the the judges throughout the the weekend. They were constantly being like they were going into huddles and they were talking, and then they come back out. They were like they were like in communication with each other yeah. all the time. So, how can that be that one person disagrees or like one rep is given and another one isn't? I, I think there's like kind of a few subtleties that start to come into this and. And what we start to talk about now, you kind of go into the nuances of of the sport and how things are seen. And one thing may be that, you know, a judge has one perspective of the athlete that is different from another judge's because one may be kneeling, looking down, one may be not. It's very hard to see multiple movements happening at the same time. So there may be a focus point that, you know, one one judge may be looking out for something that's slightly different because there's so many things happening at the same time. Um, and it's a high pressure environment, lots of movement. So 
there's lots you know human error is a big thing you know there's a uh, human error in lots of different uh decisions and and i think the one thing that's important is like how do we you know what is the kind of gold standard what what is the gold standard of this consistency that we want to see and how do we get there rather than starting from a point of being like of course there's going to be discrepancies if you see what i mean yeah it's um I think that I'd really like to talk to somebody who high up in the judging department. I, 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 also, I think that would really be interesting to find out how they manage to do those, to make those I, decisions. I think that the voice of the judge is missing. I think the voice of the judges, the voice of the people on the floor, the volunteers, mm. is missing from these conversations. So, I mean, look, I, do you remember last year when um, at Strength and Depth and there was a, overnight there was a big blow up on YouTube about a judging decision? And like the next day, I remember I was I was on the media team for that in the in strength and depth. Backstage, there was a, a very private um, but very large judging meeting, and I happened to be stood in the corner watching um, and listening to what was going on. And um, it was uh, like there was a lot of feelings going on about how um, they felt like victimized, and also the person who'd been called out for judging just didn't show up that day because they felt so kind of torn apart yeah a hundred percent it's and it's it's kind of not fair it's um yeah i i I agree i think that so i think fundamentally we need the voice of the judges on the floor Mm. more publicly heard and i think that we hear from the athlete side from our side we hear from in essence the the organizational structure that is crossfit but we don't really hear from the judges and their experience and what happens there. And I, I think that voice and that story is really important to be told. And I don't know why they're not involved in the discussion as much. And I, I 100% agree that I think that, you know, in essence, there's been a, a movement, especially with Hiller um, and his videos. It was a Hiller video. Yeah, where people get scared. You know, you don't want to be on the floor giving reps and then you know that you can do that. So you've kind of made these hypervigilant judges. And it's like, actually, is that good for the sport and the trouble is if there's not consistency it's not good if everyone was the same level of consistency and that's the key word it's not being like super strict or lenient it's there's consistency across um that we want to try and see if we can develop and and again going into the nuances one of the really hard things about crossfit is the games you you know sometimes you hear workout like half an hour before the athletes have to do it and the judges only hear about it then as well yeah like so they don't we, have we, time we, to really talk about, about with new movements, yeah. all yeah. these things that could happen. Oh, I'm thinking about hand, um, handstand. What were they doing last? Like deficit handstand push up. Yeah, past the line, and, and you know that was a that, that was a mess. It was a mess, and I can tell you what. I bet everyone could have foreseen that would be a mess because you're introducing a new movement half an hour before with for everyone. And, you know, the game is like quite quick pace, lots of events happening, lots of different things. Everyone gets a bit tired. And so it's like, is there a different structure that could be used to minimize these aspects? Well, what is it, though? I mean, that's the problem. We, we, you know, in essence, it's um, there's one thing that could be done, this kind of like clarifying movement standards of the season beforehand, you know, mm-hmm. saying like, so, so that there are a couple of. One of these things is like, okay, these are the movements that we're going to be having this year, and these are the standards of those movements. So each week, the standard of the dumbbell changed. And it's quite a big thing. Like week yeah. one, they were allowed to tilt it. Week two, not. 
or you know, or the the way you do the rope climb. Or this week, uh, the athletes were told they couldn't do a squat jerk um, for the for the first rep of the um, event six. Why? You know, why are these things not predetermined standards? That we have across. I mean, the Open's a perfect example. Every freaking year, there's a different handstand push-up standard. Mm. Sometimes they do steps. Sometimes they do distance. And it makes everyone's life really hard. And you don't need to make everyone's life really hard. Just if they put like um, standardization through the movements, you still won't know the test. I mean, you could standardize every movement and there's no way you're going to be able to guess the test. You can keep all the the variance, but you have a standard set of movements that allows judging to be clear. It allows a proper appeals process. Um, you know, for example, everyone understands that a no rep on that ring, ring complex is a lot more costly than a pistol. Yeah. And so what you can do is then go, okay, we a appeal a uh, no rep on the ring complex and there's a standard set of time that's applied compared to the pistol. No rep on a pistol is this long. No rep on a complex is this long. And that's all predetermined. So when you go to the competition, all these things are predetermined. All these things are set out. And you don't enter into this these silly discussions that you end up having year after year. Hmm. Well, who should we speak to then? On the judging? Hmm. Yeah, I, honestly, we should try and get someone who's on the floor to uh, to come in and chat. You know, I, 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 I don't know the judges that well. And I There's think a couple that's... of British ones that I've seen at a few different events. Yeah, and I, I think we should hear their voice. Mm. We'll see if we can get one. Yeah. yeah. So by the end of uh, Friday, there was already some frustration in the athlete backstage area, I guess, from that. Mm. And then I think Linda went okay, didn't it? Yeah, Linda went okay. There's the judging standard of the dumbbell, which I mentioned. Yeah. Um, but it, it's not to... So what I don't want this to be is like kind of a bitterness and uh, no. everything negative. And and the one thing I want to say is that there's, as a general overview, there's lots of positive. The frustration becomes that there's a consistent theme that runs through every competition that can be improved and should be improved and will make the athlete experience a lot better. And I think that, you know, if you ask me, was Berlin great? Yeah, it was. I think it was great for the sport, great for everything. The the thing is, is that I think those things can be done alongside these improvements that we want to see and we've been asking for, but aren't seeming to be happening. Well, do you think in the in the other competitions the judging standards were also inconsistent? It's a it's a problem throughout. You know, we go to one competition, the same thing will happen. And again, it's not a personal thing towards the judging. There's a structural thing that's wrong that needs to be fixed. Mm. So everyone's working from the same hymn sheet basically. So should we talk about uh, lane eight? Yeah, lane eight. Lane eight kind of became a thing. God, yeah. And, um, Tell me the story because uh, I, I only really heard about it on Sunday morning when I when yeah, yeah. saw your post. So just to kind of frame things, um, event four is uh, 800 metre assault run into one arm snatch. Rest, event five is one arm... Um, Eight snatch, touch go snatches into 800 meter run. Mm. One of the weird things is that they put the tie break of event four for event five, which, you know, is a whole different discussion in of itself. But if we kind of concentrate on the core issue um, of this. So 
as I already mentioned, you can't appeal a no rep. Yeah. Understood. Fine. You know, we don't agree with it, but it's the rule. However, what you can look into is if there's like equipment issues. Mm-hmm. So I was out on the the floor. You know, I, w- I will walk back between warm-up area and um, on the floor. And I was watching like the final heat of males. And Alex Cthulhu is doing very well. His first time at the game. He's been in the game ages. And I was like, this is going to be a great event for him because he's a um, great runner. Like categorically great runner. Yeah. Um, and anyway, did the... And he was like kind of one of the last of the runners. And I was like, that's unusual. You know, maybe he's just not in running shape, whatever it may be. In of itself, it didn't mean anything. Then you're going through, the guys were first, going through the girls. The thing that I started to notice in event four, typically that lane would get off last. And then for event five, they get off last as well. And it was always happening in the same lane. Mm-mm. Yeah. And then the athletes start coming back. You know, when I got on the runner, it was really sticky. It wasn't moving well. So there was, you know, now we're starting. They were saying that when they were coming off. Exactly. And the times were not reflected of their their training. Um, So this is like, okay, you know, now we're starting to, it's not just one athlete. We have a whole lane of athletes starting to have the the same problem. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone was in agreement of that lane. Not only did it feel weird, the t- everyone's been practicing these events. Everyone's been practicing these events on the same machines, knowing that they got better times. And we're like, okay, something's wrong. All 11 athletes that were in that lane put in an appeal. But, so I will say this. Before we did the appeal, we looked through the leaderboard, and it was obvious something was going on. Now, I want to frame a part of information that isn't relevant to, to this. Um, so actually in lane eight one of the girls ran um, 400 meter hurdles for France. Mar- Margot. And has a one minute 400 meter hurdles time. Yeah. She also, you know, we know Margot, we know that she can actually, you know, she'd not only crush Ella and Jacqueline on the runner, she'd also beat a lot of guys. So Margot was the highest place of everyone in lane eight with a 19th finish, which is unusual. Like, Margot would typically crush that. Okay, again, by itself, not relevant. But as we start to build the picture, in lane eight, Alex Gatoulos and Guillaume. Interestingly about those guys, event one in Dubai was the Burj Khalifa. Yes. Alex Gatoulos won that by over a minute. Guillaume, um, he was uh, in third place. 13 of the athletes competing in Dubai are also here competing. Again, by itself, not relevant information, but putting into this big picture, we start to build up a lot of evidence around this. So we're like, okay, something's wrong. So we appealed to CrossFit. Um, How does that work when you do that? You fill out a form, they take it to the judge. But because it was 11 athletes and so much going on, it kind of escalated in a bit of a different way because there were 11 people from appealing about the same thing. Uh, so we spoke with the, uh, the organizational team and they were like, okay, we'll look into this. The, the way that CrossFit calibrates their assault runners is in essence to run on them and then see if the, the belt keeps spinning. Oh, just that confuses me that that's actually the way they do it. You know, I would agree. You know, okay, fine. That's their calibration method. 
I think anyone who hears that understands that that's not a very good way of testing calibration of a salt runner. Concept twos are calibrated internally, aren't they? Yeah, so, so Concept 2 is like a whole different world. Yeah. You know, no one's questioning calibration of a Concept 2. Mm. You know, if you want to go into everyone understands that we've got Concept 2 runners, the same, uh, sorry, we've got air assault runners for the same model in our gym, and they're known that we've got a quick one and a slow one. Oh. You know, it's just known. I mean, people who have multiple air assault runners know. I already had a go on one of them once, and it scared the hell out of me. I got off it so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to lose teeth here. And so, you know, in essence, the answer came. We found out. We go, well, what's your calibration? They told us. We're like, well, you know, guys, come on. Sure. And, and they also understood that maybe this isn't great. They would also run on it and be like, it didn't feel much harder. And I'm like, you know, guys, like, you know, you've got to understand I've got 11 athletes here. And me telling them that you, you ran on it and it didn't feel harder, that's, that's not good enough. Like, let's agree on that. And, and I want to say, like, I want to sh- say respect to CrossFit in this regard, in the sense that we sat down with them, they communicated, and we did have a conversation. It wasn't just no. We had the conversation. In essence, what we, we came to the agreement on is that if we could prove, this is like now nine o'clock on a Saturday night, if we could prove before 7 a.m. the next morning that the machines had a difference they would do something about it. Oh, there's an invitation. Then begins the the Saturday night journey. Mm. So, you know, I'm fucked. But I'm like, you know, just there's no way this data is wrong. You know, there's no way that all the runners are the same. I'm just 100% sure on that. You know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gone to this level of detail. So when we start going through, how would we test a runner? We called some engineers. We called people who, you know, this is Saturday night in Berlin. But we managed to get hold of some people. And in essence, what we would needed is a motor that runs at consistent power output um, that would basically go on the treadmill. You put it on the treadmill, the pressures, same pressures applied, goes on for whatever, two minutes, and you calibrate the distance on each machine. Best way to do it. However, although it can be done, it, you know, as much as I tried... It was impossible to get something by seven o'clock Sunday morning. Just impossible. Um, so we were like, okay, what's the next best option? Uh, everyone else had gone to bed at this point. But I called up a data analyst who I follow on Instagram. We sometimes speak and chat. And I was like, hey, Mike, uh, I need some help. This is known unknowable. Exactly. And I was like, man, I need you. <laughs> and so he does like he does, he likes um, an Excel sheet, doesn't exactly. he? Exactly. Yes. And so we were like, okay. He's like, I'm in, I'm going to help. Kind of communicating through the night. So we got each, from every heat and every lane, we got the time that they are on the runner, on and off, for the 800 meters. And the thing that I want to point out is this is like a perfect study. You know, it'd be, you know, it's actually an incredible data set that we have. 100, okay, it's not quite 120 athletes because some people pulled out, but we're over 100 athletes. They're randomized in male and, fem- male and female categories, all of uh, like a high-end fitness level across 10 different machines. So it's like a great study yeah. with really strong uh, data behind it. And sure enough, not only did we find out that lane eight was the 
um, slowest, we also identified that lane seven was the fastest. Quite, by quite a lot. By, by a ridiculous amount. Yes. The, so, the, I mean, just to fray, frame this, mm. as a competitor, if you got on lane seven, the probability was you would finish in the top three of your heat. Lane eight, the probability is you would finish in the bottom three. Now, there's arguments that, okay, well, if you're in the middle lanes, they're quicker. But actually, lane six was like the probability is you'd finish between six and seven. So, okay, that starts to remove their argument that the best athletes are in the middle lanes because actually the discrepancy didn't work like that. Okay, so we've identified that lane eight was the slowest and we weren't arguing about the speed of the other lanes or reducing times. We were only worried about lane eight. And, you know, this is like 4.30 in the morning now. I sent the spreadsheet to the organization um, with kind of the information explained. I also presented some information that in of itself is not relevant, but when you know the the history, like all of this other information, it does become relevant. Margot, national level runner, her times, Guillaume, Alex competing against other athletes like six months ago, knowing their times, it is becomes relevant because they are good runners. Anyway, and again, CrossFit, I had the conversation with CrossFit and the organization. And again, to CrossFit Spence, they opened up the conversation and said, let's talk. Mm. At this point, it's not like my opinion. We have empirical evidence that suggests this. You know, you just can't deny. So CrossFit admitted that, yes, there is, you know, that there's now no discussion that there's difference between the runners. So there's no now, no, there's no dispute that there's a discrepancy in runners. That's just fact. Mm-hmm. So they accept that? Yes, they also accept that. Now, this is where things get more interesting. So we both accept this. However, CrossFit accept that it's um, an acceptable discrepancy between machines. So they're not saying that, so even though they understand that one is slower than the other, they're saying it's with an acceptable margin. What's that margin? They don't know. Oh. This is discussions after hours, but in essence, it boiled down to this essence that we both, both sides accept there's a discrepancy in runner. That's become fact. However, I believe, and the team that I was helping me on this believe that it's not an acceptable discrepancy. CrossFit believe that it's an acceptable discrepancy. Um. Now, one thing I'd like to prove is that the competition's or talk about the competition's not finished. We're still in competition. There's no results. There's no people who are going to the games. But we know these results will affect who's going to the game. This isn't us. This is real time. Us talking about what's happening in the competition right now, with an option to change it before the next event, before anything else happens. Not being like Sunday night. And this is why it was priority for me, because this was all done on time. And this is what I'm very proud of, is that we got everything in the right order, done on time, to get it ready. Well done. Yeah. I mean, like, incredible effort on everybody's part to have yeah. it in. And I'm very frustrating that nothing changed. Exactly. Um, what would you have liked to have seen change? So what we suggested was, so, you know, around discussions, what we suggested was, look, we know that... For example, if you're in lane seven, you would finish, the average finish was 2.8. 2.8 
What do you mean by 2.8? You mean like 2.8? That, that was your average. The placing. Okay. So, so you'd actually finish on, under the top three on average. Okay, got you. And so what we wanted to do was we knew that lane eight was the slowest by a long margin. Some of the other lanes were also slower mm. than the average. We asked that lane eight be moved down to the next tier. Which would have been? 6.8 6. finish. So average. just moving them a place up. How many yeah, points was that? It, that is what we would have to work out. But, you know, I, I didn't feel that that was a, a big ask mm. because we're not asking to be like put on the exact, on the, the average across all lanes. We're not asking to be put in the front. We're just being asked to be within the normal boundary of the typical average. Yeah, that seems fair. CrossFit flat out denied. Um, boiling down to the fact that their argument is there's a fair discrepancy between machines and it's their competition, so they make the final call. Not a great advert for the running machine either. The running machine is a great tool mm. for running, but for the consistency that you need across devices, no. They either need to calibrate each machine and bring them in. So one thing I also wanted to do and this was another discussion, unfortunately it was denied, but I wanted to, and I was going to pay for all of this, out of my own pocket, yeah. to take every single runner, get the calibration device today, and test them all. But CrossFit refused um, that to happen. So I'd have taken the costs myself for every single runner to, you know, if they need to leave the venue, to bring them in storage, to hire someone to calibrate each device, everyone... Independent. Ind independent. And we could have really determined if that was the case, but CrossFit did not allow that to happen. Why wouldn't they allow that to happen, though? I'm sure there's, you know, I, I, I don't know, logistic reasons, hassle. I think that we had an opportunity to really do something and really make something happen. But the willingness, I know I was willing to, to go do whatever to make this right. Because I think it's very important as a precedent for the sport. You've got to remember that this isn't about a no rep. This is just about everyone in lane eight. Yeah. Everyone in lane eight, not just the athletes I work with. And I think what it would have done is set a precedent that we can make this sport fairer in order for this. You know, so we kind of, I, I, I was proud of the fact that we managed to prove an acceptance both sides that there is a discrepancy in runners. The, the one thing that the disagreement landed on is that CrossFit felt that the discrepancy was, um, was acceptable, even though there's no, ex, there's no def definition of what acceptable is. I didn't feel that, or the team that I was working with didn't feel that. Do you feel like it's because they're frightened of being proven wrong so from their side you know things are moving quick they got a lot of work on and making a decision like this sets a precedent you know i feel that that precedence should have been set because we had undeniable evidence it leaves me in a kind of position where i don't have anything i can't how can you argue against it well, and this was the thing. It's not like it. it's not one of our athletes got a no rep. This is because that is subjective. It's the judge's judgment call. There's no judgment call on this. This isn't my opinion. 
And I think that's the crucial thing about this and which is why I kind of threw my hat in the ring. I'm always very quiet on these things. I don't like getting into the nuances. But, you know, I throw my hat in and I'm like, hey, guys, it's not like I question no rep call or your choices of whatever. Something was wrong. There was the opportunity to fix it. And that didn't happen. Mm. And and that's why I threw my hat in at that moment, because I, I, I don't want to, I, you know, I love CrossFit. I have an affiliate. I organize a CrossFit competition. I, you know, I, I've been doing CrossFit. I, I competed at my first CrossFit event in like 2008. Like, you know, I've been involved in this sport for a significantly long time. I'm CrossFit level three. I'm an OG. I've been in this sport. My whole life really evolves around CrossFit. But I think things have the opportunity to improve and be done better. And unfortunately, I don't think they were. And what I would like to do is work together. And I felt that this was a great opportunity to be able to work together in that regard. How do you feel now? You know, in, in terms of what like, I'm super happy for for the athletes and the one thing I wanted to separate is like the reason that this was done in the competition not post is I didn't want this to be about like you know this athlete shouldn't go to the games this athlete should I want to avoid that that going down that road you really have to otherwise when, and you could, that can't be it can't be changed now no and it can't be changed but the trouble is this was all done before this isn't after the competition whenever all the results are in this is during where there were opportunity to make things right. Can you give me an example of where something else has been found to be wrong and it's been and it's been fixed? Like in the scoring. At scoring. You know, judge puts or the scorecard has like 10 minutes and the athlete said it was nine. A weight uh, a weight was loaded at I don't know, a hundred, but it was actually 120, you know, those things. Which I don't think is really an appeal. It's just a mistake yeah. that was written down. It's not like an appeals process, really. This is the first time that the, there's been a machine issue. No. This is the, the and we set a precedent right now because it's the first time it's happened within regulation within the competition. Okay, so it is the first time this has happened. Yeah, we know that there's been lane discrepancies before, mm. but they've always been analysed post. Right. And this was during. And this is, I think, a big difference. We didn't look back and be like, there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. We did it in the competition, within the window. Can anything be done like for the future? What would you like uh, okay. to happen? So, so one thing I want to also really clarify here is that, you know, if CrossFit removed the assault runner or calibrated differently, like, I don't believe assault runner will be used. One of the reasons for that is that um, Rogue are bringing out a new Woodway, so it's no. It's probably quite easy to get rid of the assault runner and change that. Although in this instance, the assault runner was the issue. There's a more fundamental issue that needs to be resolved. And actually, you know, or yes, should the assault runner be fine? Have a proper way of calibration, or not be used? A hundred percent. But the reason that we're going through this whole lane eight journey, lane eight represents a lot more than the assault runner. And this is what I don't want people to miss, you know. The assault runner is literally like the tip of the iceberg in terms of these these issues, you know. I'm not doing all of this because of an assault runner. I'm doing this because there needs to be change. How can you work with them to change? Does it have to go through the Federation of Athletes? 
Yeah, so we, we you know, one thing as well is, is predating all of this um, more in the background. We're having conversations with other coaches, with Brent, who's been like, um, you know, foundational in moving some things forward. So the, these, these conversations were happening uh, more in private, whereas, you know, I decided, okay, you know, this needs to be told. This story needs to be told because now we have, now we have a very clear example of what happens without any need for speculation. Mm. So we removed speculation about no reps and these things. We have 11 athletes who are all in the same lane, who are all affected. It's very clear. It's not like we're debating clarity on this or no one's denying that the runners have discrepancy. Mm. And, and that's why we're going so far forward with this because I'm very confident in the data. So do you need the regulations to change, the rules to change or add a rule? Yeah, I mean, we, we start to go, you know, maybe we go into part two for all those, all those details, yeah. you know, because it, it, it does, it's not an easy, the, the change can happen, um, but the details of the change obviously require, like, there's some complexity in that. So Sunday sucked, I imagine. I mean, I can't imagine. I don't know how I would have like kept my temper if I if if I had been in that situation. How do you stay cool and calm? You, you know, there's no point in getting angry because it's not going to help resolve the situation. The uh, stoic mentality. And this is where I want to shout out. You know, to the luckily we had uh, we have Chris on board who you know keeps a very level head. While I was more in the background trying to resolve these. So he took a he took a a lead role. Um, and it, it allowed me to continue this discussion. I, I thought the evidence that we had and that we aren't, weren't asking for uh, that significant a change, that it should happen. So were you doing discussions all day on Sunday? Uh, probably the first. So whenever the event finished until like, I don't know, until I sent the message, it was like 4.35. Obviously, the discussions then kind of stopped till about seven we then met up about eight um, and probably went through till 11 or something like that so you know it's not this isn't all like as i say we're discussing like one aspect of the competition there were lots of aspects that were really positive really encouraging mm. crossfit also opened the the conversation which i'm very thankful for and i, I should be acknowledged um what we're kind of discussing now is that actually I feel the decision made was wrong and I think that we should try and find resolution for the processes and the um, operating procedures that go into that. I think one of the things that um, I know about you is that you do this API thing, mm. which uh, is assume positive intent. Yeah. Well, I think that's important to for for everyone to remember is that you you're not you're not trying to be um, aggressive towards this situation. You're trying to improve it because it can be read differently. Well, I think any time that you want change, it, it can be seen as um, you, you know it can be seen as bitterness or these things. And I think because of the way things happened, that's. You know, obviously, there's uh, there are, there are biases towards this, but the reason that you know we we are so far along and have these ideas is because these discussions have been happening for well over a year. 
It's just that these things have decided to go public now because of what happened. Um, and people, because of the decisions made, people will and won't be going to the games. And I, I think the one thing we can confirm is that every single athlete on that competition floor, every single coach, the partners, and the organization of CrossFit want a fair competition. So everyone wants the same thing. Um, and that there's no denying that. It's just that there's, there is a discrepancy on people who feel that's happening or not. Okay, I think we have to call it. Berlin. Berlin. You've been emotional. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, thank you very much for the time, Vicky. You're going to an airport. I'm going to get an Uber and drag a load of bags to the airport and go back to Mallorca, and you're off to Norway. I'm off to Norway for a few days. Nice. Yeah. Enjoy your rest. I hope you get some. Thank you. And uh, Stay tuned. Yeah, TVC, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I wonder if... Uh, I wonder what the next steps will be. I, I don't know. I hope that this uh, you, you push it along. Yeah, I, what I would like is for um, an open discussion. Mm. And, th and this is why I'm being very uh, public with it, because I want the discussion to be open. Yeah. I don't want this to be... I think it's important that there's transparency in this process. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod.